Al Hunter Jr., Jade Gers joining us here in the Freak Nation. You may know Jade Gers for many times, pimping some big time books over the years. Al Hunter Jr., he's done a few things on the yeah. racetrack. Yeah. Uh, both joining us here in the Freak Nation. And Checkered Pass, the new book from Al Hunter Jr., of course, Jade Gers. What is it that you've had to do to yourself physically and mentally to prepare yourself for the, oh my gosh, or the, or the blowback? that Al Hunter Jr. may get for some of these stories that you're telling about your life? Um, actually, um, it's in God's hands, totally. Uh, as far as, well, how people are going to respond, how people are going to react, that's, that's on them. That's, uh, that's, that's nothing to do with me. You know, all, most everything of, of, of the, the struggles that I talk about, the substance abuse disorder and, and, the mental illness you can look that up on inter on the internet at any time and and see that and so um it was really what what ended up happening uh through this whole thing was it was great therapy for me to uh work with jade and go through these things and and you know talk about my personal life you know the the with with, with my first wife shelly my second wife gina my four kids, um, you know, the, the, the stresses and the pressures of, of IndyCar racing and, and that sort of thing. And, and, and my family, you know, dad and uncle Bobby and all that kind of stuff and living up to, to their expectations and so on. And, and, uh, and we've put that all in writing and, and going through it, um, was really, was really good therapy for me. And so, um, you know, what other people are going to, how they're going to react, uh, that's all in God's hands. God controls all that. So. Jay Gers, of course, is the author of Al Hunter Jr. and Checkered Past, joins us here in the Freak Nation. And whether it's John Andretti, Dale Earnhardt Jr., Jade, uh, you got to strap it on, man, and ask him hard questions. Uh, and there are a lot of hard questions with Al Hunter Jr. Uh, run us through that, how you're sitting across from a legend and a legendary last name. Uh, how did you get the gumption to ask the tough questions of Al Hunter Jr. Well, honestly, from day one, when Al and I met briefly to, to discuss it, um, he was very forthright, very forthcoming about, I want to tell the whole story. I want to be honest. I want to tell my story so that uh, I might be able to help other people that might be struggling with these issues. So right from the very jump, uh, he was very open about it. So it, it did make it easier for me. Um, but I, I agree with what Al said. I could feel on my end of things that it was almost a catharsis for him to share these stories. Um, and, you know, I've written books in the past where, um, you know, the, the main subject was made to look uh, heroic in certain circumstances, <laughs> and, and Al does in the racing segments. But he was very much open and willing to share stories that maybe are not so heroic, but I think it makes him so much more of a, of a, a human that you can identify with, that you can really feel what he's gone through. And so it was very important to me to be sensitive to that and um you know it it's his story i just was able to 
and lucky enough to be able to, you know, put it, put it on paper or put it, uh, put it together. So uh, that made it uh, a challenge for me, but very rewarding, very, uh, very much happy with the final product. Author Jade Gers, race car champion, Alan Sir Jr. joining us here in the Freak Nation. And let's be honest, timing is so key. This book might not have worked just 10 years ago, but right now with the better awareness around the world, with just people being more open with each other, it, it, it works. And people understanding that, oh my gosh, I'm just like Alan Sir Jr. It's important. We need more of these stories out there. Oh, yeah, there's always going to be the people that are shaming for whatever reason. Nine times out of ten, they've got their own issues that they, they haven't come to grips with yet. But the need for this book, thank you, both of you. Who came to who first? Because we need this content. <laughs> well, I can, I can take it from there. I, you know, during when COVID hit and everything went on lockdown, you know, I I started thinking about, well, you know, maybe now's the time to uh, to start writing a book. And so I I tried to be an author. OK, so I went to uh, I got online and I joined a, 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 a author on the Internet to teach me how to be an author. And so I worked at it and worked at it. <laughs> and I had all my post-its all around and, and my stories and I'm, I'm writing and um and honestly, I got to the 89 Indy 500 with, with me and Emerson. And <laughs> it was just too important for a beginner rookie author to be writing this book. And so, you know, that's when I called up Jade and I go, Jade, would you please help me? And, uh, <laughs> and he, he said, sure, I'd love to help you. And so um, it just went from there. You know, uh, once once I really got into it, I learned that I am not an author. I am a race car driver. And so so uh, that's that's when I, I asked for Jade's help and, and he said, sure. And, and we just went from there. And, and honestly, uh, once I got the first few pages that Jade had written, he does such a great job on putting on paper what I'm saying to him. And so... Um, it was just, it was a match made in heaven and it was just super cool. Well, I know we're going to bounce back and forth in this interview between off the track, outside of the cockpit and in the cockpit, but you just brought up 1989. So I want to know how Jade portrayed the vast differences of your 89 Indy 500 that you were supposed to win, but didn't. And your 92 500 in which you woke up that morning and thought you didn't have it. A freaking shot whatsoever and then you go on to win it in one of the closest finishes in history jade how do you, how do you make that comparison well i a al really went into depth on both about the emotions nice. uh from both events another part of this is that i i'm i'm still a big race fan so for me i want to know what, you know, what are you thinking when you and Emmo get together? Uh, what are you thinking when you and Scott Goodyear are coming to the closest finish in Indianapolis history? And my job is to um, take his stories and to disappear. I don't, I don't want to be a part of the story. My job is to to tell, help Al tell his story as best as possible. So um, I, I, I will say he 
thinks that the 1989 race, which he crashed into the wall with Emerson or, or the, the crash with Emerson, uh, was his best ever Indy 500 drive, even though wow. he won it twice. Um, so, and, you know, he can go into more detail there. Again, as a fan, the 1995 Indy where Penske oh. did not qualify at all, I don't think that story's ever been told in the depth that Al goes into in this book. So, uh, again, I, they're, they're, people will enjoy the celebration, the amazing indie victories. But from a human standpoint, the drama of that 1995 Indy 500, the buildup, uh, Al just was able to share the emotions and the details of that. Uh, it takes up two chapters. Wow. <laughs> so again, I, you know, I'll defer to Al as far as specifics that he wants to share on that. But uh, as a writer, it, it, it's a dream to work with someone who's willing to be open and honest and to share things that are disappointing rather than just wanting to, you know, it's not a book only about his 30 some IndyCar wins. It, it's much more than that. Jade Gers, as a writer, I want to talk to you a little bit. Uh, you've talked to a number of drivers. You've gone in depth. You've got the you got Roger Penske on the missing the Indy 500 story at 11. You've got that worked out perfectly. <laughs> but what is the what are the racing emotions? What racing craft? How does all that work together? It seems like there's some connection between racing, personal emotions in the cockpit, and racecraft. All that works together. You've heard these stories. How does that work out to you as a race fan? Well, again, my job is to tell the person's story in the most compelling way possible. So to me as a fan, I want to hear about the 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 emotions, the danger, the, the thought process when this is happening or that's happening. Um, Al talks brilliantly about those final laps with Scott Goodyear. Uh, again, that, you know, it ends up as the closest finish ever, but it's brilliant because he talked about, you know, they always say, oh, a driver always worries in his final laps for his first Indy 500 win. And he had none of that because he's racing to, you know, tooth and nail with this guy uh, right on his back bumper. So he didn't, he couldn't worry or think about it at all until he crossed the finish line. But, uh, Jade, excuse me. I, yeah. I love that answer, but I want to get to the question that I asked. Okay. What, what are you finding in these stories you yourself jade gerst new york times best-selling writer you've heard a lot of stories where racing drivers race craft and emotions in the cockpit have all come together al and scott goodyear uh wherever what have you similarities have you found in those stories with these huge personalities i think all race drivers, all successful race drivers are very good at compartmentalizing things. Uh, again, Al said he's never truly been fearful when he's in the race car. Now the car or circumstances have scared him in the moment. Um, wow. But 
the the fear factor is not forefront. Now, I, I you know, I, again, with John Andretti, he basically described the very same thing. Dale Jr. as well. Uh, it's a it's a it's ordinary people doing extraordinary things. And I'm fascinated by that. Uh, as a fan, I, I want to know how they do that or how they how their brains work and how that fits into a larger story or a larger spectrum. How does Al's background as part of an incredibly famous family, how does that show up while he's in the race car? You know, he talks about blending the best of his uncle Bobby, hell bent for leather every lap. His dad, very thinking, deliberate, wants to be there on the last lap. Um, that combines within Al Jr. To you know, to become he became a driver that won Indy the Indy 500 twice. He won two championships, you know, two IROC championships, two Daytona 24 hours. Um, so for me, it, it's I want to understand Al the person and how that manifests inside that car during hmm. key historical moments in racing history. So, Al, how do you meld the best of Bobby and the best of your dad together to be who you are in the cockpit? Well, it, it was something that, that I tried hard to do. I don't think I ever mastered it, you know. Um, I was more like my father, to be honest. You know, Uncle Bobby sat on a bunch of front rows at, at the Indy 500 and, and had a lot of poles in his career. My dad only had one pole at the Indy 500 like myself. And, and, uh, and so it was more about we're, we're there to, to win the race. We're not there to win practice or win qualifying. We're there to win the race. And so um, I was more like my father behind the wheel than, uh, than Uncle Bobby. For sure. Al Jr., let's get into the meat of the book. And, of course, the one thing that sticks out is you, uh, on your birthday – attempting to take your life. And that's, that's tough to read, man. I can only imagine being in your head uh, when that happens. Can you run us through the emotions or are you comfortable talking about the emotions of that, that night when you, when two time Indy 500 champion was about to take his life? Well, it wasn't just one night to begin with. It was, it was a, a few months. And, uh, and it was every day and, and literally I was alone. I was, and it's the first time I had been alone in my life. And, and, uh, you know, um, it was tough. It was, it was the, the rock bottom it was, it was something that, uh, 2012 was, was the worst year of my life completely. And, and, uh, and so, you know, I had to learn how to do my laundry. I had to learn how to cook my meals. I had to learn how to go to the grocery store. And just those things, learning how to do those things was overwhelming to me. <laughs> and so life was just overwhelming and, and it was hard. It was tough. But, you know, I just kept persevering like I like I did in, uh, in the race car, you know, and... Uh, uh, just hoping for a better day and, and so on. And, and with my, with my psychiatrist going and seeing him once a week, you know, he helped me an awful lot. And so, <clears throat> excuse me, 
excuse me, it was it was tough. It was it was uh, it was some tough times, you know. But uh, you know, I'm I'm human. I'm I'm mm-hmm. just like everyone else, and so it was uh, it was something I, I wanted to share. It it was the truth, you know. I was uh, I was going through a real 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 tough time, and and uh, and I talk about it in the book on how how I pulled myself out of that. You know, and uh, and it was just uh, it was support um, from from friends and uh, and mainly mainly the, the the therapy I was doing and the and the the psychiatrist. You know, they, they helped me an awful lot. And so um, as time went on, the days got the days got better and better. And and uh, and then simply put, I I found Christ. And then once once I found Christ. Uh, I've never been alone again. It's just that simple. Al, you just mentioned mostly, at least at that point, the therapist helped you. How did you get to that point? There are so many people today who still feel ashamed to call up a therapist. What was it? What was your epiphany? Why did you pick up the phone and make an appointment? Because that clearly helped you to go to the next level. Yeah, it, it did. I, I, uh, I just felt so alone that uh, I needed someone to talk to that uh, that was a professional in, in substance abuse disorder, you know, and, and really that's what got me to that point was, was the substances that, uh, that I was, I was, you know, in pain, use the substance to escape the pain, you know? Um, so it's, it's just goes around on, on a merry-go-round in a circle, a big circle, just over and over and over again. And then so, you know, I had to stop it. And so I had to ask for help. And, uh, and when I asked for help, it was, it was there. God put the help in front of me and, and, and real good help this time. You know, I, I had been through it years ago with the therapist and all that, but, but it never clicked. It, it, it just, it just, um, uh, it, it didn't seem to work. And, um, uh, and honest God, it wasn't until I found Christ that, uh, that it all started being put together. Al Unser Jr. joining us here in the Freak Nation and curious with the last name of Unser, you've got, uh, of course, your dad and Uncle Bobby. Did you ever consult with these guys or were you ashamed or feel like you couldn't talk to your uncle or your dad about these mental problems that you have? Yeah, no, I couldn't. I couldn't talk to, to uh, my dad or my uncle, you know, uh, you know, my dad on on. Uh, on the substance uses, you know, he, he felt that, uh, you know, you go to a rehab for 30 days, you come out and you're fixed like mm-hmm. a body shop. You go in and you come out and you're fixed. And, and quite honestly, um, that's when the real work begins is when you do come out and, uh, and start, uh, getting into society and living life. And, and that's, and it gets tough. It gets real tough. And so, um, you know, the, like, the therapy, the psychiatrist, um, the the meetings, uh, they, they were all good. They all helped. And uh, and but honest to God, you just got to live through it. You got to live through the pain, and it it, it gets better. I promise it, it. It gets better, but it takes a while. How I I couldn't agree with you more. I've had a couple of years of therapy, and I. I learned things about myself that I'm still building on. That's that valuable. Uh, Al Jade mentioned that 
drivers have this ability to compartmentalize. I assume he talked about compartmentalizing maybe around the racetrack or in the cockpit. Have you found the ability to compartmentalize outside of racing? Now that you're out of racing and out of the out of the cockpit, has that helped you in getting uh, order to your life away from the cars? Actually, what I'm doing right now with uh, with Future Star Racing and Wings and Wheels Foundation, Mark McAllister, uh, we're racing uh, Formula Four SCCA races and Formula R FR, and I'm working with young kids and. Uh, uh, Chloe Chambers this year, and then Ernie Francis Jr., who's who's young. He's not a kid. He's you know he's 22 <laughs> years old. But but working with these drivers and 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 being back in the racing is is truly great therapy for me. And uh, and just being a part of it. And so you know when I retired from 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 racing, um, I stepped away from it. And and honestly. The, that, that left an empty hole in me. And, and, uh, and so, um, you know, God's blessed me with, with the opportunities that I have today and, and, uh, and it's working. It's great. Do you see yourself in these young drivers, especially in Ernie Francis, who's won championships, he's grown his careers, uh, moving to a place where the takeoff into a greater level. Do you see yourself in some of these uh, younger uh, drivers a, a little bit yeah you know i mean you got to go out there you got to concentrate you got to get your marks and all that kind of stuff and and you got to hustle it you got to want it more than anything and and uh and i do see that in some of the drivers that uh, that i've worked with over the last couple of years and and when you do see that it's, it just gives you a great feeling inside let me interrupt you for a minute it came to me while you were talking do they see you as a champion driver, one of the best in IndyCar history, or just the old man is talking to him? Well, some, some, some of the kids at first, when they first meet me, they go, who? Who are you? Oh! <laughs> and then once, I think, once once the parents, you know, they, they go home that night and, and, and they come back the next day and they go, Oh man, you're one of the best. Oh, man, like it's okay. You're, you know, we'll, let, let's just uh, let's just concentrate on the car and getting it around the track, and 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 I'm here to help. So, Jade, and just hearing some of these stories here, and knowing the vastness that is Alan Sir Jr. on and off the racetrack, how much of this did you just say we can't fit into this book? Of course, we're talking about the book A Checkered Past with Alan Sir Jr. It, yeah, I, it, it's the first book where the material could have stretched, uh, you know, another half of what the book entails. Uh, and so it's, again, that's part of my job is how do we, you know, all the stories are good stories. How do we pick the best ones or how best to portray, uh, you know, the arc of his life or his, his life story? So. Uh, you know, that's why they pay me the mid-sized bucks uh, <laughs> to do this sort of thing, uh, to, uh, to pick and choose. Yeah, he did. He did say he'd never written that many pages in a book. Before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and so we could have gone on and on. Our, our first day that, that, that we did our Zoom meeting, our first day between me and Jade, 
it went six hours <laughs> on that first day. And we didn't even get we didn't even get past go-karts, I don't think. <laughs> You're kidding. It went a long time. And, you know, yeah. Ow, I'm tired. How how do you you mentioned story art and writers know what that is? How long does it take you to develop that story art for uh, these books? Say for Al uh, Junior, uh, how did how did that come about? Does he come to you with an idea, or do you just dive in and? And you have an idea where you're going, but you don't know where that corner is in the city. Yeah. Um, again, with Al having started the process by starting to write a book, he already had uh, some very important elements in place or or understood this needs to be in, this, this is important. But I traditionally will try to keep an open mind where when I start, I try not to have a, a kind of a locked in format in my mind. Uh, it just, it has to develop organically. Uh, the John Andretti book as, as a great example. Um, I, I put a lot more in there about his family, his love of family, uh, both, you know, people like Mario and Michael, as well as his immediate family. Uh, and so that book really evolved. Uh, there's still a ton of good racing stories. And it's the same with Al. I'm a race fan. I want to hear about this, that, or the other. But I let, I let Al tell his story and then develop the, the arc or the, the format from, from there. So it's, uh, it's pretty much up to the, to the subject of the book to help, help me determine that. Al Hunter Jr., Jade Gers, Al Hunter Jr., Checkered Pass, the new book out October 1st. And Al, looking back through your life, whether it's talking to your therapist or I'm sure it was therapy talking to Jade about this book, did you find that your mental illness was creeping in with your alcohol and drug abuse or your partying or the driving? It, it, was it part and parcel of your career with your, your mental state? Not at all. Not at all. It was something that, uh, you know, I was, I was engulfed in the stories and, you know, remembering the past, you know, um, it was hard. I can tell you, you know, we started talking about Rodriguez and Greg Moore and, you know, Shelly's passing. Um, I had to take a break, you know, cause, cause I got emotional with, with those things. And, and uh, and so, but I have, I've learned how to uh, go through the, the five stages of grieving, you know, and, um, and that kind of, that's in the, that's in the book, you know, my, my life going from go-karts to sprint cars to the Super V to the Can-Am car, uh, getting married to Shelly, having, having our, our children, our firstborn Al in 1982. Being a rookie in, in 83 at Indy, having the success in the Indy cars, I really had no pain, no, no mental pain. There was really no, uh, no challenges there. And, and, and until, you know, really the first real challenge was when I, when I missed the show at Indy in 95. And, and, 
that's kind of with one of the turning points that, um, you know, I had never felt real depression before until I missed the show at Indy. And, and, uh, and so then that came in and, and, and so, um, it just kept going and kept going and coming, you know, and I say in the book and Jade knows this, I said, the hits just keep coming. The hits just keep coming and hit and, and my only way of, of, of dealing with, uh, with those, those grieving processes was, was to get high to, uh, you know, escape that way. And, and, and today through, through the process that I've been through the last, 10 years that um, you got to live with it. You got to learn how to live with it. And, and so um, that's, that's what I do now. You know, I, 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 I'm so blessed and, and lucky to have Norma in my life where, you know, I'm, I'm, I've tried to have, have therapy sessions with Lola and <laughs> it's hard because Lola doesn't talk back. <laughs> True. You know? Lola, of course, is the dog. Schnauzer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Lola's my life. And, and when I got her in 2014, um, the thing I noticed straight away about Lola is she never thinks about suicide. It crosses her mind. And so um, I wasn't alone anymore. I, I had a, a dog. I had responsibilities. And, and it, had, it, it was time. I talked with the professionals, you know, on... on on the sobriety thing, and and it was time to uh, um, to get a pet and to get those responsibilities. I had I had kept a, a geranium, a, an annual geranium. I kept that thing alive for over three years. Okay, and that's not easy. <laughs> that's not. <laughs> well, I, I watered it, so it didn't look. Okay, <laughs> you know, I kept it alive, and so. I move on to Lola and and uh, and get a pet and and like I said, the first thing I noticed about her is she just loves life, loves life, always going forward. That is powerful. We need to be more like our cats and dogs or, or whatever animals people cherish. Our geraniums. Our gera our be more like the geranium. <laughs> that is powerful because, I mean, I've dealt with depression since the mid-90s. It's part of my DNA, whatever. It's, it's hey, we're, we're working it, you know? Right. But I never, ever thought about that. Your animals, the unconditional love and respect that they have for you, they don't think those deep thoughts that we humans do. Be more like our animals. I like that. Yeah, that's that's really what, what happened with Lola when she came and in 2014, but like I said, you know, uh, she doesn't talk back very well. She's barking <laughs> things and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, so that was that. Al, I don't want to. I don't want you to tell me anything you don't or don't feel comfortable at. But you've been around garages and and race guys, race drivers for all your life, practically. I assume that you've run across other people that may have some of the same issues that you had and fought to overcome. Are they elsewhere in the uh, garage in the race paddock? Um, I really don't. I I don't know. You know, my my things was was my private life, and and I kept it out of the racetrack. Okay, because. Um, you know, simply put, if you if you're doing 
anything uh, substance-wise and, and getting in a, a, an Indy car, it's just suicide. That's, that's, that's instant suicide, okay? So, um, no, I, I never did it around the race car and, and it, through my entire career, and I never saw anyone else doing it, uh, uh, doing anything like that in, in, during my career. And so, and then now today, um, you know, they, they have drug testing policies that, that quite honestly, I wished were in place in the eighties and nineties that they have today. I think that would have helped me tremendously if, uh, if, if the, 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 the drug testing policies that they have today were around and they were doing that back in the eighties and nineties. Jade. You've talked to a lot of drivers. You say you're a race fan. Have you have you wanted to have the kind of conversations you had with Al Jr.? Have you wanted to have those kinds of conversations with other drivers you worked with or have relationships with in the paddock? Um, yeah, it was it was very valuable to me. And again, from the very start our very first meeting with al he was right up front very open very uh, honest about it so that made it easier from my standpoint to to get into those um dale jr uh the fact that i was his pr guy for eight eight plus years i mean i i was there alongside him through all of that so in a weird way we didn't have to talk about it. I don't know if that makes any sense. Because uh, I was lived in, it with them. Yeah, I was in the room uh, as well. Um, and um, so it, it, that's that's a different different relationship that I that I had with him. Um, and with John Andretti, the the tough questions were again more about his health and and that process, how he dealt with having cancer and. You know, uh, again, his last months were very, very rough. We were probably 85 to 90 percent through the book when he finally his health just uh, had reached a point where he just couldn't do any more interviews or couldn't couldn't do any more with it. And uh, so those were very tough, very heartfelt discussions about mortality and, and sickness and cancer. So, um, so that, that was a, a book of a much different, uh, uh, subject, but again, very much topics that help. Um, I keep using the word humanize, but that that's the best word I can think of is, you know, they, uh, show the human behind the headlines. Uh, you know, one of the things that, Al and I talked about in a previous interview was people may have seen the headlines and the tabloids and all that BS, but no one knows what led up to that or why that happened or what was going on otherwise. And this book helps tell that story, helps tell the backstory of how it got to, to this point and how he survived and how he fought through. So it was important to me to help Al tell that that more complete story than just a sensational headline or you know a police blotter or whatever, uh, that was important to me. No, and thank you for doing that. Thank you very much. So, 
Al, now where do you go once this book does come out on October 1st and more and more people get it in their hands and read the stories and have further questions for you? What do you want your goal to be over the next couple of years, whether it's in the IndyCar paddock, NASCAR paddock, sports car paddock, wherever you are? Well, I think, uh, you, you know, I've had several uh, old mechanics and so on come up to me and they, they go, I've ordered the book and I go, great, great. As soon as you start reading it, um, you're going to you're going to go and think about it and go, ah, now that's why that happened. And, then, oh. Oh, <laughs> that kind of and or they're going to go, wow, they're going to be in shock going, I never saw that or ever knew, never knew that it's going to be one or the other. Now, when we go, once the book does come out, um, my I'm my hope is that it goes outside of the fishbowl of the racing fraternity. My hope is that we can go and get into mainstream um, society and and talk about these hard issues and 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 what I did to uh, to survive it, to to overcome it, and and uh, um, you know ask for help. How did I ask for help and that sort of thing? And so um, it, it's 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 right along the lines of, of mental illness, which, which Gladys, you just said it, you know, the timing couldn't be perfect. And, and, you know, I kind of put that on, yep, it's God's timing and <laughs> in God's hands. And, and so, uh, we're going to go with it and we're going to, we're going to talk about it as much as I possibly can, because it is a mental illness. And, 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 um, you know, I was talking with Norma just yesterday about it, you know, Maybe, maybe the diagnosis at the beginning of my 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 stuff was should have been PTSD or something like that, you know. And and but um, it, it it it's not. It wasn't. Um, so you know, we're gonna just have an open discussion about all this kind of stuff. And and again, the timing couldn't be perfect. And 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 I'm willing to put it out there like like we did with Jade. Jade's a brilliant writer. He was able to really put my thoughts and my feelings on the piece of paper in words that that something that i couldn't do when i went to be an author (laughs) there i'm 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 open to anything and everything and 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 all i want to do is help i want to give back that's where i am in my career with with all the drivers that i'm working with all i'm trying to do there is pass on what was so freely given to me by not just my dad and my uncle Bobby, but Rick Mears. Rick Mears yeah. helped out an awful lot when I joined Penske, and 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 Rick is still out there doing the same thing. And so um, that's 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 where I'm at in my life. I just want to give back. I know we touched on it a little bit earlier in the interview, and just to kind of w- with what you just said right there, it made me think. Okay, let's get outside of the fishbowl of racing. Let's go into football. Let's go into basketball. Guess what's going to come up? Oh, you must have hit your head a few times. You know, helmet, CTE, blah, blah, blah. No, 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 no. This is your chemicals. This is how you were born. And so I guess, again, to prevent people from being ashamed, because there's no, nobody should be ashamed of who they are. This is just who you are. You found out sometimes through some hard means, but you made it through and you became better. You failed forward to become who you are now. And that's, I think, what hopefully they won't just look at it and go, oh, he hit his head a few times in a helmet. No, this is just you. Right. Exactly. That is well said, Gladys. With the circle around you, whether it's your dad, your family, Roger Pinsky, the Andrettis, 
What's been the circle around you as far as assistance, uh, uh, supplying you some of your needs to to get better? Or has it been uh, people's reluctance to be associated with you that that unfortunately put you in a position to where you needed to use drugs or alcohol? I'm curious about your uh, the circle around you. Well, um, gosh, the circle around me today is all Norma. She's over there dancing right now. <laughs> I'm a circle. Uh, but, you know, um, my, the best way to put it is, is, is uh, my substance use started in high school. Okay. And you never know, you know, people... They, they drink in high school, they, they drink in college, they, 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 they use the substances, so on. You never know when it, it's, it's taken over your life. You, you never know when, I, I couldn't pinpoint the day that I jumped off the cliff and went, you know, now I'm, not, now I'm addicted, okay? No one knows that. They, they just don't know it. And, and so, um, you know, when it does happen, the, the thing... That, that that happened to me was it wasn't really the people around me it was me it was me doing it and, and so uh, and then it was me who was reluctant to ask for help because I'm this this superstar you know running indie cars and 500 and winning and all that kind of stuff and 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 so there's nothing wrong with me you know and so um, but there was and so it was hard it was very hard to ask for help and so you know hopefully uh what we can get across is is that that if you even feel or if you even think that there could be uh, at the slightest chance of a problem uh with substances go ask help go get some help go see a therapist go go see a professional on this stuff not not your mom and dad, not not your aunt and uncle, not your friends, but a professional, and and uh, and find out, and then start a program and get on it, and and you know once once I did that, I was the the freedom that I had was was so great, <laughs> the, the the freedom from from that mental cage that I was in, and and I didn't even know I was in it, you know, <laughs> and so uh, I did I knew. The second I learned that I was in the cage is when I was out of the cage. Mm. And I went, oh, okay. And, and that's the way it's been recently with Christ, you know, um, with Jesus. I mean, he's, he's given me freedoms that I've never felt before in my life. And, and I just, uh, I've over overwhelmed with it. I, I, I'm in a small group, church group. I got really, really strong, good friends um, from the church. So, I. Boom. <laughs> Norma's out. Sorry. So, She's shopping. So, yeah. So, so that's, I, I hope I answered your question. I want to get an outside perspective. Jade, what did you find about the support system or lack of support system for Al Hunter Jr.? Yeah, I, 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 uh, I've been through a few things, uh, through a few things myself. So I can identify with him on a lot of that. And, there are moments in the book where others kindness really sunk in or did did well um but there were times when it it didn't or or people 
had good intentions, but Al wasn't ready for that. Um, and it really comes down to him, you know, admitting that he had an issue or, or dealing with it head on. And, I, you know, I, hopefully people that are stubborn, like some of us that, that don't want to admit they need help, um, will see in him uh, a good reason to, you know, to be open and honest, to be able to accept and get um, get the help that they that they need. So uh, that was kind of again personally some of the things I've been through. Uh, I can really connect and identify with him on that. And it doesn't get better until you admit it and and you know be open and accepting of the help that is out there. One final thing, Al. You mentioned cages around you that maybe hindered you in, in some of these issues that you had. This is a delicate question, but I feel like you answered it maybe in the book. Was one of those cages the Unser name? No. No. It was not. It was uh, having being born where I was born was a total gift from God and um the love that I had for racing happened right away when I was nine years old. My dad had a lot to do with that, you know, and, and so on. And, and really another one of the family members that, that, that truly really showed me the real love was my cousin, Bobby Jr. Hmm. Who hmm. passed away this, yeah. this last June. And, 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 you know, um, it, it was, no, the answer name was was definitely a, 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 something that helped me throughout my whole career and having the experience of dad and uncle Bobby, you know, they were experts about uh, if I went to them and, and asked them about the car, about driving, about the setup of the car, what I need to do in the races and stuff like that. If I went and, and asked them about mental illness, they would have said, what What's that? that? You know, they're. There's no mental illness. You just got to work hard and drive mm. hard and, and have the desire to go out there and just win. You know, <laughs> if, if you don't have that, then and, and I can hear Uncle Bobby saying it right now. If you don't have that desire, then you have mental illness. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, let me tell you. <laughs> let me tell you. Yeah. So, uh, you know, rest in peace, Uncle yes. Bobby. Yeah. 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 Al, I can't get out of this question or out of this interview without asking you about this. There's a kid out there. I say a kid. He's in his uh, mid-late 20s, Kyle Larson, and he's doing things that Al Unser Jr. did as far as you put him in anything, and he's winning. What's Al Unser Jr.'s take on Kyle Larson and what he's doing from dirt to NASCAR? He's fantastic. He's an absolute machine. I mean, um, you know, Tony Stewart really is the one that started the – the racing, the, the NASCAR, and then during the weekends that they're not racing NASCAR, which is a lot of races, they're out racing on the dirt in sprint cars and midgets. And I just see, you know, and winning, winning and all that stuff. And and Kyle Larson's doing the same thing. He's just out there just driving, driving, driving. You know, I I wanted to do that when I was 21. My dad, <laughs> he said, no, once you get to Indy cars, then you need to stay in the Indy car. You don't need to go down in steps and, and go racing because and oh. you're just going to have a target on your back and, and they're just going to aim for you 
you know, to, to be a, a local hero that outran Al Unser. And, and, uh, and, you know, I talked to Tony Stewart about that. And Tony goes, you know, I didn't find that at all. You know, that, uh, that everybody pretty much respects each other in, in the sprint car race and in the sprint car world. And, and so, you know, it was something I wish I would have done. I would have, I would have, uh, gone after, but, uh, Kyle Larson, he's just, he is, a um, brilliant race car driver. He works hard at it and to be racing that often, that much, you know, um, Uncle Bobby would say that the desire in that kid's through the roof, and it is. It truly is. <laughs> I think it's therapy for all five of us mm-hmm. to have this conversation. Mm-hmm. I hope so. That's mm-hmm. that's the whole intent of the book is to get conversations going about all kinds of mental illness because there's all kinds out there, and 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 hopefully we can we can have an open discussion uh, to continue. Jade Allenser Jr. Jade, thank you. We've known you a long time, buddy. We're proud of what you're yes, doing. Sir. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Appreciate it. Cool. And uh, Al, keep kicking ass, man. It's, it's good to see a, a smile on that face and, uh, and and eyes that actually can see what the hell's going on, buddy. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much. And thanks for having us on.